y'all, we're uh, at some point we will get back to looking at uh, our, uh, our 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 movement through the through the book of Galatians. Uh, but I was kind of moved, I think, to go in a different direction today. And to be honest with you, this is kind of um, that's kind of one of the reasons that I don't preach a whole lot of sermon series uh, per se. You know, a lot of pastors will, will do that. They'll preach through it. They'll, they'll, they'll latch on to a particular theme, and they'll preach through a whole series on that theme, or they'll, or they'll latch on to a particular book of the Bible and uh, preach straight through, that th- straight through that book. I have a hard time doing that because inevitably what happens to me a lot of times is, is when I'm in the process of doing that, I feel like God speaks to me at some point and wants me to go in another direction. So when that happens, I'm like, you know, who do I listen to? Do I listen to myself, you know, and keep on doing what I'm doing, or do I listen to what I think anyway? Uh, may very well be the Holy Spirit. Uh, point me towards something else. Well, you know, obviously I I, I try <laughs> uh, to go with the second, with the latter. So I try to go with what the Spirit I think is what 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 I think the Spirit is talking to me about and, and the direction uh, the Spirit's want me to go. So that's kind of what what what, what I'm doing today is uh, getting off Galatians for a minute and, and taking it kind of in another in another direction. So uh, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning uh, this morning, the beginning of the beginning of everything. Um, kind of as we you know, come into the beginning of the new year, what can we glean from what was going on in the beginning of creation that we might can take with us into 2024? These are the first five verses of the Bible, the first five verses of the, of the Hebrew Bible, of the, of the Old Testament, of what we call the Torah, or the Torah. Most of y'all are very, very familiar uh, with these verses, Genesis 1. One through five. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was complete chaos. And darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning, the first day. That's the word of God for the people of God. I um another thing that I don't do a whole lot very or very often is I don't I don't give titles to my sermons. Um, you know, a lot of times pastors will come up with these really cute, witty titles based on whatever the subject or the theme is that they're preaching on. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm just not smarty smart enough or witty enough to do that most of the time. Uh, so you just kind of get what you get. But if I was going to come up with a title for, for this particular one, it would be something to the effect of, you know, from chaos to creation. From chaos to creation, or maybe from chaos to order, something like that. You know, it's really hard for us, it's hard for me anyway, to, to, to comprehend this whole idea of, of nothingness prior to creation. This whole, this whole idea of, of nothingness. That, that just was, uh, that existed prior to what we know as creation, as the only thing that was in existence besides God himself. This whole idea of nothingness. Try, you know, you could spend a whole lifetime just trying to wrap your head around, around, that, around that idea. But uh, here in these first few verses of Genesis, the Bible does give us you know, some, kind of, some kind of glimpse into what that may have looked like and what, and what that did look like when God started when God started creating. For one thing, it says that when God began to create, that darkness was everywhere and that the world was in complete chaos. And you may have noticed I emphasized that word when I read those scriptures. 
because that's the word that I primarily want us to focus on this morning, is this word and this understanding of chaos, that when God began creating everything, that there was just no, there was nothing, just a blank slate of darkness and, and, and absolute chaos, which I just think is a really uh, strong word to put into the text there, this idea of, of complete and total you know, disorder. Um, it's a powerful word that kind of that describes to us what God was working with here. You know, when we consider that this idea of chaos, we might think of words like confusion, uh, disarray, like I said a second ago, uh, maybe disorder, something along those lines. Uh, the Hebrew word that's used here in the original uh, text for chaos kind of means uh, like emptiness. Uh, it could even mean a place of waste or uh, formless or even futile. Um, but God just kind of jumps right into it, right? Uh, as, we, as we pick up in the first, first sentences here in Genesis, he jumps right into this, this mass of confusion and he gets to work. And throughout all this chaos, throughout all this disorder, he starts to create something beautiful, something perfect. In these first few verses, he takes this dark void of nothing and he creates what we know as light. He separates the light from the darkness and he calls them day and night, morning and evening first day from chaos to creation from chaos to order not just orderly though but good good God said that he created light and it was good if you were to continue on reading through the first chapter of, of Genesis you would see as creation unfolds uh, that God continues to create and God says that it's good this thing, these things that he are creating are good another uh, translation for, for, for the Hebrew word means beautiful. It means pleasant. So into all that chaos, God creates something beautiful. Absolute beauty. Absolute, almost in any way, per perfection. So I'm going to go a little bit off from, from that. And, I, and, 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 and this is just something that stuck out to me this time when I was reading. It's always fun to me. It's always really, really cool to me when something else jumps out of a scripture to me that I'm very familiar with. You know, in other words, I've read this scripture gosh knows how many times over, uh, but all of a sudden something new is there. And, 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 and I find that if I actually go to God and I pray before, I'll give you a little hint how to read your Bible. If I pray beforehand, you know, and talk to God, reveal something to me, you know, what are you trying to reveal through me, to me through this text? I find that God, most of the time, 99.99% of the time will answer me. And that's just kind of what happened this time as I was reading this creation story out of Genesis from chaos to creation. So what can I glean from that? What can I, you know, how, does, how, how can this possibly apply to, to my life today? How can I apply this idea, uh, this theme from chaos to creation in my life, my personal life, in 2024? Consider this. This is what I talked to you about this morning. Consider this idea. What beauty can you create out of the chaos in your life right now? What beauty can you create out of the chaos in your life right now. Let's just be honest here. Every single one of us in this room has chaos in their life, one degree or another. It is unavoidable due to the fact that we are human beings who are surrounded by other human beings. People who are prone, including ourselves, people who are prone to selfishness, people who are prone to self-centeredness, people who are prone to wanting to have their own needs, and their own desires met before those of other people. In the Christian world, in the Christian context, we call this what? 
selfishness, something else. Sin. Call it sin. Failure to love God. Failure to love other people. You know, what else, what else do you call that? We call it sin in the Christian church. Failing to love God, failing to love others that often leads us towards serving ourselves first, selfishly, and others secondly, if we serve, if we serve at all. Some of our family lives are chaotic. Some of us have chaotic experiences in our homes, or maybe we've had them in our homes in our past at some point. We live in homes with people who are, who are by nature, disorderly, people who are difficult to deal with sometimes, people who are high-strung. Maybe they're even hostile to us verbally or, God forbid, even physically. You have conflicting personalities a lot of times within your family dynamic. Uh, that creates what seems to be this unavoidable chaos inside of your home. If that doesn't exist inside of your own home, think about somebody else's home that you have been into that's just, people are just all over the place. Y'all have been in them. Y'all have known friends, acquaintances like this. You've been in their home, and it's just utter, utter chaos and utter disorder. So you, you get what I'm saying that there, even if that's not your own experience. You know, maybe your workplace is chaotic or your, or your school life is chaotic. Or maybe you've had some experience in the past with a chaotic atmosphere uh, within a workplace or school. Um, you know, I like to believe that Bemis United Methodist is, is a pretty orderly and um, calm atmosphere, but certainly there are churches out there that are overwhelmed, that are led by poor leadership, that, 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 are, that have poor congregations that are there for the wrong reasons, and, and, and you can see it when you, and you can feel it when you go into these churches, and it's just, it's just utter disorder and disorientation. And again, just this idea of, of, of chaos and I'm sure that you can think of other groups that you're a part of, or maybe you were part of at some time, that just seem to be absolutely driven by this chaotic, disorderly type atmosphere. People not getting along, um, activities not getting done, work not getting done, or at least not getting done until the last minute. So I hope some of the, I hope what I'm getting at here is, 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 uh, is, is, is coming through well enough for you. I, you know, I just want you to realize that all of us have chaos, or at least have had it. Uh, to some degree or another in our, in, in our lives. Um, so I ask you this, what can you, church, as you think about these things and as we move into the beginning of the new year, what can we do, what can you do individually as a family, as a church, to create something beautiful, to create something good out of these areas of chaos in our lives? That's a good one, Judy. Judy says pray. That's a good starting point. You know, first of all, we need to have a complete understanding of the fact that we can't fix or change other people. We can talk to people. We can offer people wisdom. Maybe we can off even offer people good advice. What we can't do, though, is force another person to change his or her ways that might be contributing uh, to some kind of chaotic atmosphere in our lives. What we can do, however, is we can choose not to participate in the chaos that is around us. Certainly we can choose not to contribute to it. We can refuse to get caught up in the fighting. We can refuse to get caught up in the hostility. We can refuse to get caught up in the cynicism, the behavior that fuels these chaotic situation, situations. And I realize, I realize Church, that that is not particularly easy today because our culture is a cynical and a chaotic culture. You don't have to look any further than turning on your television or looking at your social media feeds. Our culture thrives on chaos. 
and disorder and disorientation and not getting along and cynicism. It thrives on it. If, you're, if there's no physical chaos in your life whatsoever, if you couldn't relate to any of those situations that I gave to you a minute ago, every single one of you, I believe, is on social media, so y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, whether it's in your news feeds or whether it's, 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 in, it's in the comment section. Chaos reigns in our culture today. And it's easy to get sucked into that, y'all. It is easy, easy, easy to get sucked into those situations and to become part of the problem rather than being part of the solution. It's easy to get involved in conversations that we know we probably shouldn't be having, conversations we know we probably shouldn't be getting involved in. It's easy to become critical of the people and the atmospheres around us. And let's just be completely honest with each other. Sometimes chaos feels good to us. It plays to our lower nature. It plays to our sinful nature. It allows us to be angry. It allows us to be critical. It allows us to express those things in our lives that irritate and that annoy us. And this may be okay for the secular world, folks, but as Christians, people who are driven by following Jesus, we know that it is unacceptable. We know these types of attitudes. We know that the chaos that inevitably follows does not reveal love for God, much less love for other people. To the contrary, it absolutely taints everything that we are supposed to be, everything that we are called to be as Christians. So first and foremost, just refuse to be part of the problem to start with. Refuse to be part of the problem to begin with. If there's chaos in your home life, if there's chaos in your work life, your school life, your social life, your social media life, don't contribute to it. It's really just as simple as that a lot of times. Refuse to give in to it. Refuse to contribute to it. Refuse to be a part of the problem. Believe it or not, church, you don't have to be involved in this stuff. You kind of wouldn't gather that from, from how some folks talk. and some <laughs> We like to enter, enter ourselves into these situations. But believe it or not, you do not have to be a part of that. That's a choice all day long. If nothing else, if nothing else, take a lesson from every introvert like myself who has existed since the beginning of ever, walk away. Remove yourself from the situation. My wife knows all day long that if a situation in my life gets too chaotic, I'm out of there, man. Y'all know, our leadership knows that I can't stand confrontation. And that's one of my weaknesses as a leader, is I will absolutely flee from confrontation. It's something that I'm having to work on myself. Um, I'm having to work on my communication when there's, when there's conflict, when there's confrontation within the church especially, and that does happen, believe it or not. Um, but my natural instinct is to run from it, is to run from conflict, run from confrontation. Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it just means I'm not going to lose my cool and I'm not going to contribute to this thing, and I'm not going to be involved in something I know I shouldn't be involved in, especially when my emotions are at a, a, a level of height that they absolutely should not be. Remove yourself from the situation. That's one of the easiest things that we can do when we, when we find ourselves in these, in, these, in these atmospheres of chaos. You know, simply doing that after a while will at least, at bare minimum, start serving as an example to other people. It might not change them, it may not change the situation, but it will certainly show that our faith moves us to reject chaos and to reject all the attitudes and all the behaviors that go along with it. 
The big question go is what to go, though, is what I stated at the beginning, to go back to the beginning. How do we create something beautiful from all this disorder that surrounds us? How do we create something beautiful out of chaos, other than refusing to initiate it, other than refusing to participate in it, other than refusing to be a part of that disorder, that disharmony, um, other than being, exam being an example by walking away from those situations that are spiritually harmful, by the way. How do we take the next step in actually changing those situations? How do we take the next step in actually creating something beautiful out of that chaos, out of that chaotic atmosphere? That's not a question that I can answer for you. Nobody can answer that question for you, church, because every situation that you're going to face like this, every person that you're going to face like this, every atmosphere that you're going to face like this, every organization that you're going to be a part of that suffers from these type of from these these types of situations, all of them are different. All of these situations are going to be different. They're all going to have different dyna dynamics, and they're all going to have different contexts. There is no one size fits all answer as to how we actually go about creating. We read God hit something beautiful, something creative out of the chaos. But that's where you guys come in. That's where your creativity comes in. Combined, like Judy said in the beginning when I asked that question, combined with seeking guidance from God and, by, and from God and from the Holy Spirit. But I can tell you where to start. I can't tell you how to fix these things. I can't tell you how to make them better. I can't tell you how to create beauty in all of these different contexts, but I can 100% tell you where to start. Where did God start? Where did God start when he started creating? Why did God create in the first place? Why does God continue to create? What is God's motivation for creating? We all should know the answer to that. It's simple. Christianity 101. Anybody want to take a shot at it? Love, man. It's so simple, Kevin. It's Christian. Man, I've been talking about this since day one. Since June of 2021. God's motivation is always love. Why does God create out of love? Why does God do the things that he does out of love? Everything that God is, everything that God does, everything that God creates is motivated by one thing and one thing only, 100% love. Every single time, self-giving love, love for creation, love for humanity. This is always, always God's starting point. Now, what does that have to do with what we're talking about today? It's also our starting point as well. Other than refusing to be a part of the problem, our first starting point, if we want to be creative, if we're seeking to be creative and actually affect some real change, our first starting point is our motivation. It's our intention. If we are not motivated by love, if we're not motivated by, 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 by a desire to, to better serve, to love our neighbor, to love God, if that's not our starting motivation, we are more than likely just going to be spinning our wheels and whatever it is that we're trying to do, or that we're trying to achieve, we're probably not going to achieve the outcome that we're looking for. So when we're attempting you know, to create something beautiful out of the chaos around us, we can't be motivated, for example, 
by fear. We can't be motivated by anger. We can't be motivated by animosity, those types of things. We'll never achieve what we're looking for when that's our motivation. But when our motivation is love, that is going to start something. It's always our starting point, just as it's always God's starting point when creating. And from there, we can begin to provide an alternative to all the disorder and all the disharmony that plagues, and it is a plague, it is a disease, our individual lives and our, and our, and our culture as a whole. We've been talking about grace as we've, as we've gone through uh, the book of Galatians. Through God's guidance, through God's grace, when we, are, when we have that, and you can't force that motivation, y'all all know that. I'm not telling you, you know, hammering down on you. Love is not, is not something that you can force. It's just something that is. Um, so, again, motivation is love. It's your starting point, but if it's not there, it's not there. Um, and I pray, I pray in my life, your life, you know, that, that, that through God's grace, through God's guidance, uh, we will continue to become this. We will continue to become love. And when we are faced with these situations that, that, and, and we want to back off from it, we want to do something about it, that, that our motivations, that we are not motivated uh, by, again, our sinful nature, our lower nature of fear, animosity, anger, those type, bitterness, those types of things, that we are motivated because we actually want to affect real loving change in these atmospheres and serve as the light to the world that Christ talks about so very often in the Gospels. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.